tens of millions of families with Alzheimer's disease and dementia all over the world, including our family. We are Alls in the Fam. I'm Alan Fair. And I'm Polly Fair Noise. We're siblings, we are parents, but we're also caregivers. This is our podcast. This is our support group. Welcome to our family. Alzheimer's sucks, but this family lives, laughs, and learns as we fight for a cure. Welcome. Hi, Alan. Hey, Polly. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's a crazy world out there. Glad to be with you. And um, virtually, it's great to be together virtually. Virtually, yeah. Um, we're recording this. Uh, it's getting to be near the end of April. Social distancing continues to be a fa- um, in effect. A lot of love to all the caregivers out there who are uh, being affected by everything happening in the world, even more so than normal. It was tough before, and, and it's tough now. So love and solidarity to all. Yeah, it really is. It's rough. So for today's episode, we're going to talk about a phenomenon that's called twilighting. So sundowning or twilighting is um, very common in Alzheimer's and related diseases. And it's when as sundown approaches or at twilight, um, the person becomes increasingly anxious, um, aggravated, uh, may want to wander, um, confusion. Right. All symptoms that we saw in mom, in our mom. And so we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to talk about twilighting throughout this episode, um, what we saw in our mother and what we did about it. Uh, We're also using an article uh, from the Mayo Clinic as inspiration uh, and to help guide us throughout this. So in our show notes, you um, can find a link to that article as well for more information. Yeah, I think that article gives a good brief description, and there are others, obviously, all over that you can find because this is such a common symptom of Alzheimer's. I, I really don't know anyone who has a loved one with Alzheimer's or a related dementia that doesn't have this issue at one point or another. So when, uh, when our mom first started exhibiting it, we didn't realize that it was an Alzheimer's symptom. We didn't realize what the problem was. Um, so she was living at home still alone. And, and, and this is, um, again, about 10 years ago. We mentioned in previous episodes that we really kind of tracked the beginning of our mom's journey with Alzheimer's with uh, my son being born about 10 and a half years ago. So mom just turned 84. So let's say in her roughly about in her mid 70s is when we started noticing this. Yeah. So. Um, 10 years ago, roughly, she was still living alone in her own home, doing pretty well. She started at night a couple times calling, very upset. She would call from her home phone, her landline still back in the day. Back when landlines still existed. Yes, there was a time. And she'd be like, I think there's someone in my house or there's no one around. Every All of my neighbors are gone. I can see their houses are dark. She just a number of extremely afraid um, uh, circumstances. So, I mean, she was so terrified that something bad was happening, um, that people were in her house, that people might try to get in her house. Um, 
But before that, backing up a little bit, she also had this thing where she wasn't sleeping well um, for, this went on for a couple of years, but in particular, her chief complaint was that she could hear everything. The furnace drove her crazy. The sound of the birds chirping suddenly was annoying. Um, She'd talk about her her skin and itchiness as well. She had itchiness and I've never really figured out what was going on, except one dermatologist said that itching often comes out at night because your mind calms down. It doesn't have anything to, it doesn't have anything else to think about. So you start, the itching comes on. Um, So we had, with the backdrop of that, she suddenly started calling, was always right around sundown and just oh my God, someone's in my house. I don't know what happened. One time she called and said, someone rearranged all my furniture in the family room. Um, and I was terrified for her. I would switch her to my cell phone and jump in my car and run and get her. It's about a 12, 15 mile drive from my house. So she was and calling your landline too then? She would often call my landline back in the day. I kept that <laughs> landline going until a couple of years ago only for her because she still remembered my number. Yeah. Sure. I'm sure there's other people out there in the same situation um, because I only used my cell phone. Um, So drove all the way out there uh, and would find her standing at the end of her driveway, maybe afraid to go in at sometimes, sometimes in her kitchen, but right by the front door so she could run out because there might be someone there with that long phone cord stretched all the way to the front door. Sure. Um, and she would be shaking. She was so terrified and crying and just really upset. Uh, it's so hard to listen to this and remember that time and and not get a little emotional about it, particularly thinking about it in the backdrop now. Like I live in Brooklyn, New York. Um, and right now, again, it's April 2020, height of uh, current height of uh, COVID-19 outbreak. And I look outside and it's amazing how few people or or you see what what's normally such a vibrant city um, is almost a ghost town now. And 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 so that's a little unnerving. But to be um, someone in the early stages of dementia, not know that and not understand why and to look outside and think that, oh, my gosh, where is everyone? Am I all alone? Um, just what a what a horrible lonely feeling and you know thank goodness that you live close enough where you could be with her through a lot of it Polly yeah I mean it it was terrifying to me because at the time at first I didn't know I think I thought she was she might be right maybe there was someone in her house and so it took a few more times um well maybe 10 or 12 times of this happening before we realized, wait a minute, there's might be something wrong with mom too. Um, so we went, got her, we, I'd bring her to my house, but early on there was no room at my house for mom to spend the night. Um, sometimes it was freezing cold outside and, um, or it was sweltering hot and I'm getting, getting mom at, by the time I got there, pitch black out. And, um, we just had to deal with it during rush hour sometimes. Um, but anyway, right. I would I would bring her, when my kids were both home, we didn't have an extra bedroom. So I would bring her all the way to Bonnie's house, which is 25 miles from uh, mom's house at least. And uh, 
show up at Bonnie's house now with a terrified mom, or maybe she's a little, eventually she would be a little angry, like, why are you taking me here? She wouldn't remember that she had been terrified in her own house and show up, everyone in their pajamas, you know, the kids doing their homework or whatever, and um, drop mom at her doorstep and go home um, to my house. And then immediately mom would start, when is Polly coming to get me? I want to go home. I don't need to be here. So we were spending a lot of hours driving back and forth, trying to manage mom and her symptom. But the sundowning, I think, was one of the symptoms that I had the most sympathy for her because she was truly and really terrified. And um, I think we've talked about this some in our family. Um, Anxiety is a horrible thing to live with every day. And she really was suffering from anxiety and that every night terrified feeling is just a horrible way to go through life. it is. It, it, it's a little difficult to relive this time and what we're talking about right now, too, because the truth is we didn't know at the time that this was a sign of dementia and Alzheimer's. We were just kind of living our own lives. Um, I had newborn children. You had teenage and preteen children. We all had kids and we're, you know, we're very focused on this part of our our lives. And it probably took us a little bit of time to even realize that something was wrong and, and cater what we were doing from something simply reactionary to something that was very purposeful because we, we knew what was going on and, and ways to, to do it. So I think by the time we were, or, or you and, and Bonnie and, and our sister Tracy were kind of bringing mom to your homes for, for overnight stays as a way to treat it. This is probably a, a couple years of this going on um, as we learn more about it and really focused on it in the way that it needed to be focused on. Yeah, there were um, a good five or six years where we were doing this. Um, we got better at it, uh, predicting when it was going to happen so if there was going to be a snowstorm or there was a series of um, thunderstorms predicted, I think one of the most interesting things to me was that it wasn't just sundown, but anytime the sun uh, decreased. So in the buildup to a thunderstorm, she would become terrified as well and then just call us and report, this is the worst storm I've ever heard. I mean, in my life, this is the most wind, the most lightning, the most thunder, right. um, but every time. And so we eventually just started getting her before the storm if she was still at her house or keeping her away from the window. And Alan, I think you recall, mom used to love thunderstorms. Yeah, it really stands out to me. So growing up before twilighting and and sundowning mom loved thunderstorms um almost uh in a in a romantic metaphorical sort of way she loved she would say oh we need a good thunder buster to come in here as she would refer to it and um and i have a lot of really fond memories of sitting on both in our front porch and our back porch with mom and just watching thunderstorms. Um, and I can, you know, to this day, I can recall sitting, uh, sitting with her, the smell of the rain, 
watching yeah. the the lightning fork you know we had a we had a nice open backyard where you could really have a good view of the sure. uh, of the sky and um to have her suddenly go from such a such a respect and admiration and awe for it to one of uh terror um i really think about mom and miss her a lot now when i see a thunderstorm coming yeah. in yeah yeah um that's so true we i think we all had that experience even um from a very young from a young age i remember it and it that's one of the few things you got from mom that was the same that bonnie and tracy and i got when we were young um so this started happening a lot more and um one of the things that happened was it got to be a lot of work to try and manage her if she wasn't with us and oh no a storm popped up or you know in the winter it can start getting dark at 4 30. um and i think uh some members of our family were frustrated with mom and having to deal with her and didn't want to have to constantly go get her figure out what we were going to do with her right at dinner time sometimes so um there's there's a denial phase that that I think every family who goes through this needs to forgive themselves as they advance through their journey with it because you just at first you don't want the inconvenience of your parents suddenly becoming a pain in the ass right isn't that kind of how it feels a little bit at first like what is going on why are you so needy all of a sudden you you I mean, I think that some of us had hard days where we were even doubting her sincerity of the matter. And, you know, it, it, it elicits some, you know, no, no parent-child relationship is perfect. So it, it even elicits a little bit of resentment um, toward them because you don't, you don't know what's going on yet. You don't have the information. You're, you're just somewhere on a journey that, in our case, ultimately led to this discovery. And now we understand that you know, what was going on is that was our, our mother changing, her brain changing. But at the time, it's kind of like, oh, my God, mom, again? Yeah. And, uh, and yeah. it was hard. Yeah. No, it was incredibly difficult um, dealing with her. And at the same time, it pulled you away from your your own family, your own children at a at a difficult time. Every Every age, kids are a lot of work and they need you there. Maybe you went to work all day and then came home and it was the one time you were going to be with your kids and have a little family time. Maybe you had dinner on the stove. Maybe you were helping with homework and she calls. So we all had that um, frustration. I mean, really, we wanted to help. But um, anyway, so how we handled it, we handled it in different ways. One thing that happened was um, a neighbor across the street uh, became someone who once in a while would see mom outside and or pacing and waiting and would help her and invited her into their house. Um, that was a huge help. I mean, I cannot describe how, what a relief it was for us to know that we had a neighbor looking out for her even one time. Right. Somewhat fortunate that the neighborhood in which we grew up and where our mom lived from 1969 to 2017. It's a long 18, time. Yeah, yeah. Um, for decades, uh, surrounded by the same neighbors, which was was definitely a, a comfort to us. Yeah. Um, 
So uh, one thing was a neighbor that helped a couple of times. Another thing was Tracy said, I, I'm not going out there. I can't. Her kids were younger. Maybe that's it. She um, decided she would call mom and she was very adept. Bonnie did this as well. And you, Alan, at calling and sort of distracting her from her immediate anxiety and panic um, and instead would talk to her about what her day had been like, what the kids were doing, what was she planning to do. Mom loves to talk about the weather. <laughs> you could talk to her about the weather if it wasn't currently um, thunderstorming. And uh, Alan, I think you had some special ways of distracting mom from her anxiety and panic. Well, sure. I was fortunate. So over this few year period uh, coincided with my son, Marcos, learning to talk. So to be able to uh, call up and have a little kid say, I love you, grandma, you know, and, and little things and having speech be formed. Um, so in, in a lot of ways, my son's fondest memories of his grandmother, of mom, are these early conversations you know she would call him marky and um would remember enough of the conversations to rave about him and and it seemed that after she would get off the phone with him she would want to call and talk with all of you about how cute he was and and so forth so th those were uh, those were days where um relationships were formed and in that consistency of just knowing to call around sundown every day um so strangely enough some fond memories of that period as well sure you know, you could help her out and get your kids to get to know their grandmother a little more absolutely um, so well I, I was gonna say another thing that is in this mayo clinic article that um uh offers as a potential reason and symptom of uh sundowning is it could uh, it could be a sign of an infection, and a really common infection is a urinary tract infection, a UTI, and that was something that certainly coincided with some of mom's medical issues in those days as well. Right, we saw this in mom towards the end of the time when she was living at home. Um, so by that point, she'd been. She'd been living with the disease for a good, I don't know, this was like five, six years ago, um, so maybe five years along. Um, she would be increasingly anxious, and it started happening every night with the sundowning, and we learned through talking to other people that people with Alzheimer's, people living with Alzheimer's can have urinary tract infections and not even know it. And so she would not have any other symptoms of a urinary tract infection you might think of like you or I might have or a young child. Um, she, her only symptom, she would have no fever, no even accidents. She would just be crazy panicky and she would do um, things that didn't make sense for her which was like run away, um, hide. So um, yeah, your uh, infections can be an important thing. And again, the first time, I don't know how long she had a urinary tract infection before we figured it out. It's really hard to recognize these things in your um, person <laughs> that you're caring for compared to reading about it. Oh yeah, I hear that's common, but it, 
it's it's difficult, right? I um I feel bad that we didn't diagnose her or get her diagnosed earlier, but when we did, it really made a huge difference. You know, one one day, maybe two days of an antibiotic, and she was um, more like her old self. Um, sure. Right. Uh, amazing how common uh, a UTI seems to be. And I, I don't say that from a medical standpoint. I say that from a personal experience and just talking with others who have gone through this, how a UTI really is this telltale sign of larger issues in the elderly. Right. A lot of the weird behaviors you see end up having something to do with a UTI, but how, how would you know? I don't know. <laughs> Um, and you, you learn it's something it. to check. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You learn it the hard way, like, right. like we did, you know, the, the remarkable consistency of the, the issues eventually it, it just, we, we had to do something and, and this is what we did. And I think as we, as we wrap this episode, um, I would encourage anyone listening to this, that if they're noticing any strange changes in, in behavior on their parents or grandparents or loved ones, and they're noticing that strange behavior that's coinciding with um, the sun going down, that that might be a good time and a good reason to maybe bring your loved one to, uh, to a doctor, get them, get them checked out. Um, the sooner you begin the journey, as hard as it is, fraught with denial, fraught with inconvenience, the easier it is to uh, provide help for them and put together a plan that uh, could save a lot of heartache and frustration in the long run. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a theme. You're going to need help the earlier you are willing to ask for it, go seek it out, the better for you, the better for your loved one. Um, you know, we're lucky we have each other in our family. Not everyone has that. Not everyone is so lucky. Um, and I will say the the number one thing that we did to help try to prevent more sundowning issues was to keep mom to her routine. So mom needed a few things as the evening came on. We needed to first, we talked about the UTI, but beyond that, um, make sure she had food. Uh, eventually she became not as good at getting her own food or cooking her own food. So we had, we made sure she had a lot of prepared food at home. We had to make sure she had her wine. She liked a glass of red wine at night. Um, and she would bring it upstairs and have it in her bed. We had to make sure her TV was working, which eventually became a difficult issue because she liked to unplug her TV, um, every day for some reason. And then it would take time to reboot or she would press the wrong button on the remote but that's a whole nother that's a whole nother episode <laughs> right well the, the tv schedule and having that working was key because she absolutely had uh evening programming that she liked and and really enjoyed our what was that guy's name who was popular back then uh, mencia um she loved that show Mind of Mencia during during this time. Yeah. And uh so if you had her in bed and, and watching that, she was probably she was probably pretty happy as she was going yeah. along. But uh she liked the channel five news at ten o'clock. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, um we hope that we uh helped shed some light on um what's a pretty interesting phenomenon symptom for uh for those with dementia and the in the early phases, we are alls in the fam. 
Thanks for listening. Bye, Alan. Bye, Polly. Thanks for listening to All's in the Fam. In the fight against Alzheimer's and dementia, we are all family. Find us at All's in the Fam on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and on our website, allsinthefampodcast.com. We appreciate you clicking that subscribe button on Apple, Google, Spotify, or whatever your favorite podcast catcher may be. Alzheimer's sucks, but we are in it together. We are Alls in the Family. Talk soon.